Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why? Well, why not? And today's what is going to be a delightful trip to the forums of somethingawful.com. And in particular, we'll be visiting the e slash n subforum there to be reading a thread about crazy parents. But before we get to that, I just want to say thanks to everyone who's been asking for magnets in the last month. I have sent out probably more magnets in January of 2015 than I had ever in any other month. I'm very low on magnets and I'll probably be buying more soon, but uh, currently I probably have about three or four left. So if you want a magnet, now's the time to ask, I guess. You can ask later, of course, but I will probably not have them then. And also thanks to the people who've been reviewing on iTunes. I really appreciate it, of course. And ask if you haven't rated the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever that you listen to this podcast. Please take a second to rate it on iTunes. You don't have to write a word review, but it just uh, giving it the old five star because it is totally worth five stars and not less. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if you just do that, it really means a lot to me. And hopefully at some point, iTunes will say, hey, all right, it's time for a podcast about terrible things to be on the front page. What do you say? I think it's possible. But for now, let's get back into the podcast. So as I mentioned before, this episode is from the Something Awful Forums, subforum GBS, which stands for General Bullshit, and subforum E slash N Bullshit. Now, E slash N, according to the SA Clopedia, which is the Something Awful Encyclopedia, is defined like this. This term stands for, quote-unquote, everything slash nothing. It is used in long, dramatic, whiny threads consisting of personal information. Things such as girl problems, family trouble, problems with your job, etc. Basically, things that mean everything to you and nothing to the rest of us. And so this particular EN thread is about crazy parents. Now, the OP for this thread is very long and has many definitions of what things define a crazy parent and it's very long so i decided not to read that just because it is uh, lots of clinical definitions or lots of definitions of people being crazy and what makes them crazy but i think that the stories themselves of the crazy parents stand alone and will be relatively obvious what is the parent at hand's problem? So we'll move down the thread and start with this post by Horrible Smut Beast in the thread on something awful entitled Crazy Parents Mega Thread. And it goes like this. I haven't talked to my entire family in years because my mother is unmedicated. Everyone knows she is, but nobody will do anything about it. I left when she threatened violence with me and everyone, including my aunts and uncles, told me to just apologize and make it up to her when all I did to set her off was not do the dishes, quote unquote, properly. My mother is a combination of everything but childlike. People don't really understand when you explain that your mother is crazy. I've had so many people tell me that I should just let her back into my life because, quote unquote, family is family. Smiling emoticon. They don't realize all the shit you had to deal with. A small list of what my mother would say or do to me would look like this. Tell me to kill myself because I was worthless. Brackets regularly like one to two times a week. Would grab at my body and tell me I was disgusting and unlevel because I was quote unquote fat. Brackets size five women's. Told me it was my fault I was raped because only disgusting creeps like fat women. 
screamed at me when I attempted suicide that I was a stupid, selfish whore, slut, cunt, etc. Withheld my school loans and money, forcing me to beg on the phone for enough to cover antidepressants. Refused to let me see any doctors or counselors since I could, quote-unquote, just talk to her. Bullied her way into the doctor's office on the few appointments I had to dissuade me from saying anything. Told me I needed to get a million dollar a year doing X or else I was a failure. Was a failure because I wasn't married to a rich man at 21 with kids on the way. Tried to sabotage every attempt I made at being independent. And the worst one, which takes a bit of explaining, was not getting me properly treated for learning disabilities and ADHD. See, when you have ADHD, you appear smarter because you're more interested in random subjects or learning. The problem is you can't get it back out. When I started school, the teacher sent me home and said I wasn't allowed to return until I had seen some child developmental therapists to see if my lack of speech, coordination, and general abilities to be a functioning child were due to me being retarded. The doctors and therapists said I had probable ADHD, learning disabilities, and other things, but they couldn't be sure, so they couldn't diagnose me. My mother just looked at that as a quote-unquote win and sealed all the paperwork away, ignoring letters from teachers from grades 3 to 12, asking her if I was literally retarded. I never got medical treatment because, hey, she just worked harder and pulled herself up by her own bootstraps so I could too. Smiley face emoticon. And hey, I appeared smart, so really I was just being a selfish bitch who hated her so much I wanted to ruin my own life to hurt her. Fuck crazy mothers. Don't ever feel bad for cutting ties with them. No matter what anybody says, if they are harming your well-being, you don't owe them shit. And so Maine writes, Ah, thread sweet home. I was raised by a single blue-collar worker mother in the 1990s, which was a really bad time post-collapse of the USSR due to economic problems, but also because society was very socially backwards and no one ever stood up to my mother abusing me and my sister. She would beat us and yell at us in a red-faced rage constantly. I was convinced I was fucking spawn of Satan as a child and still have some really messed up self-image issues. Some of the stuff she did used to keep me up at night. Once she found out I got some bad grades in school and threw out all my school accessories all over the room, cornered me and threatened to kill me with a knife if I moved, after which she left outside to cool down, while I stood in the corner choking on my tears and gunk. I was in third grade. Another time she decided that she wanted me to ride her ancient bike, so she decided to do what any reasonable loving parent would do and bring me out on the basketball court in the middle of a six-apartment block and proceed to yell and call me names because I wasn't able to ride a bike. Me and my sister were obese as children, and she was really unhappy with that. She constantly belittled us for it, grabbing our tummy fat, so we went... <laughs> So we went by the starvation method of losing weight, which gave my sister bulimia and severe psychosis, and me a light psychosis. Mom thought it wasn't a big deal because, quote-unquote, at least we weren't fat pigs anymore. My sister tried to kill herself, and when my mother found out, her response was, well, since she's such a fuck-up, she should die. Somewhere in my middle teens, she realized that a teenager and a young adult with crushed psyches weren't going to give her the love and appreciation she craved, so she started hoarding cats. We lived in a 44-square-meter apartment, and the cats started accumulating up to four and a big dog. The cat hair and stink of piss was everywhere. Complaints were met with yelling and suggestions to leave. She also got into the habit of feeding the whole neighborhood's flock of cats, about 30 to 50, depending on the time of year. She would wake up at 4 a.m. every day, interrupting her sleep and make her angrier, more prone to outbursts on us, and go feed all the cats. All of them. Quote, unquote, I can't stop going. They can't live without me. I ran away to another country for work and learned to my surprise that people can like me, respect me, and acknowledge slash taught me that I have quote unquote feelings, quote unquote needs, and other normal human things. 
Since then, I've been slowly disconnected from mother. She has been really pissed that I left her. Our last communication was her yelling on the phone, demanding that I help her with some internet problems she was having. Me telling her not to call me if she was going to raise her voice at me for no reason. And her starting with, quote unquote, listen here, you piece of shit. After which I put the phone down and never talked to her again. Infuriatingly, a week later, she was calling our grandmother to complain that I didn't congratulate her with Mother's Day. My sister is a broken shell of a human being still living with her on a ton of medication and obsessed with cats. Brackets six, last I heard. I'm slowly learning to deal with this shit. My therapist says I need to mentally disconnect from her still. Learn that, brackets, most people aren't out to fuck me up and that I can be loved. Long way to go. And Fluorescent writes, Oh, mother. How I hate you, but still love you at the same time. One of my first memories from life, from around the time I was two, was of my mother molesting me and whispering how disgusting I am. Just typing that made me feel a bit anxious. I can't remember anything that happened with regards to this yet, but the memories go on until I was about 11, which is when my father lost his job. My father was your typical enabling father. He just died, though, so I don't feel ready to talk about him yet. He wasn't half bad as a mother, and he did make sure I went to college and got away from it all, so I'm just very thankful for that right now. My abuse had this very interesting medical component. Starting from when I was two, my mother found my personality so intolerable that she faked an autism diagnosis with me and had me put on an entire encyclopedia of antipsychotics, benzodiazepines, mood stabilizers, and antidepressants. A lot of doctors would disagree with her over the years, particularly because I am not autistic, and that was obvious to many people, sometimes immediately, sometimes after a couple of years, but her reaction was always the same. Make him out to be some evil person to me and change doctors until she found one she liked. I never felt like I could be honest in the doctor's office, partly because I would get it for embarrassing her slash misrepresenting my symptoms all the time, and she would regularly take my session away from me or even embarrass me for saying the wrong thing in front of other people. My mother would never be honest with me about what was going on. Quote unquote, hey mom, what is this new medicine? Quote unquote, Ritalin. I was taking a lot of quote-unquote Ritalin. I can't remember taking anything besides Ritalin for my entire childhood. When I found my prescription stubs as an adult, it blew my mind. Perephazine, lithium, Resperdal, Theoridazine, Seroquel, and more. Mother loved to indirectly insult me with my Asperger's diagnosis. She got so much mileage out of that damn diagnosis. I was socially awkward because I was autistic. Brackets, actually, I was socially awkward because I was scared everyone, and I mean everyone, would molest me if I was alone with them. I shouldn't talk about my interests because, since I have Asperger's, I do it all wrong. I will never understand the world like my mother because of the Asperger's, etc., etc. I didn't find out that I wasn't Asperger's until I was 17 when a therapist put her foot down about it and brought up that she was positive I had been abused used terribly growing up, and that was what people were misdiagnosing. It took me about four years after finding out it was a misdiagnosis before I'd stopped telling myself, quote-unquote, mother was actually right, you are autistic, every time I messed up a social interaction. There's nothing wrong with being autistic or having Asperger's syndrome, don't get me wrong. The problem is just, I'm not. My mother used it as a symbol of how I was special, I was brilliant, and at the same time, it was a symbol of all my shortcomings as well. It was a very destructive label that made me give up on socializing and get along with others until I was in college. Writing about the Asperger's thing has totally burnt me out. I think I'll stop there for now. I still get so frustrated thinking about it. And Xenocides writes, Both my parents scored zeros on the list of things that were in the original post. This thread inspired me to take them out to dinner tonight and catch up with them. Thanks, thread. And Craving Solace writes, Crazy parents. Oh, Lord, where to begin? My mom's way of thinking is one I'll never really comprehend. I know it stems from having a mess of childhood. Brackett's father raped her and her sisters. Her mother abandoned them. 
But after a while, I think taking some personal responsibility would be nice. She was a very devoted and loving mother when we were little. At the age of 14, however, I was suicidal in a wreck. I have systemic lupus and epilepsy, and my health was awful, so I was very depressed. After I got out of the psych ward for a 10-day stay and entered outpatient therapy, her attitude towards me changed. She told me that I was suicidal to punish her, but she wouldn't stand for it. I remember she found out that I was cutting a few weeks later. At first, she cried and said she'd get me help, then turned around and said I was, once again, attempting to punish her. I distinctly remember being in the car with her on the way to the therapy and he saying that if I was really suicidal that she'd drive us both into a tree and kill us. I guess it was her way of scaring me into wanting to live? She also told me that if I was going to kill myself then to go ahead and do it. She had my sister she had to take care of. In therapy, she joined a session and turned the focus entirely onto her and how she's a victim. If the therapist started to point out how the, her behavior was wrong, she would refuse to continue the session, or she wouldn't bring me to that therapist anymore. One therapist I was seeing after a session with my mom told me that he honestly saw my mom as the type of woman who would stab you in the back in your sleep. We were never really the same after that. She and my dad were at each other's throats constantly. She was mentally and verbally abusive towards me. I was struggling with my weight, and he was vicious about picking on me for it. When my mom tried to defend me and yell at him for it, he got an inch away from my face and told me that if they divorced, it would be my fault. I came out to my family about being bi when I was in high school. My mom kicked me out for a few days and let me come back home, but I wasn't allowed to date girls. Bisexuals were greedy whores and abominations. You were gay or straight, there was no in-between. So seeing as how I found girls more attractive than men at that time, I decided I must be gay. I I got kicked out briefly again. Being a religious nut, she hung a crucifix in my... <laughs> Being a religious nut, she hung a crucifix in my room, put one in my underwear drawer, and changed the background of my computer to a cross. I should mention that I renounced Christianity at this point. She'd forced me to go to church and more than once tried to trick me into accepting God again. It was bizarre. When I mentioned that my best friend and I, a gay man, shared a bed whenever we had sleepovers, brackets which she already knew, she called me a whore and a slut and kicked me out of the house. That time, I refused to go back. She showed up at my apartment and took back my health insurance card. Seeing as how it was under my father's name, I called him and he demanded she bring it back. She she did, then drove off saying, I wouldn't last a month on my own. We didn't speak for several months, and when we did, it was when she called me up, apologizing and sobbing. We tried to mend things and move on, but I refused to move back home. She and my parents divorced. <laughs> okay. She and my parents divorced. My dad moved out the day of my younger sister's prom, not bothering to stick around to see her in a dress, and moved in with a woman he dated in high school. They hadn't even met beforehand to catch up, and he moved in with her. My family was devastated. I was glad the divorce finally happened, but I was amazed he went about it like he did. My mom told my sisters and I to be cruel to his new girlfriend when she... <laughs> My mom told my sister and I to be cruel to his new girlfriend when she emailed us trying to get us to know us. I'm ashamed to say that I was. It wasn't her fault. I was just livid that my dad left the way he did. He never made any attempt to speak to me unless his girlfriend prompted him to. It was like he completely forgot he had children. When he finally came to visit me, all he did was talk about her. Didn't bother asking me about my life at all. My mom blew all of her money on frivolous crap. An iPod Touch, expensive uniforms for role play with her new boyfriend, trips to Cape May for a week or two. When my sisters and I tried Tried to talk to her about being a bit more responsible with her money, brackets, she has a ton of debt. She'd get furious and tell her that she earned the luxury she was getting and we had no right to tell her what to do. Then she spent all of her money and bitched about not being able to afford the heating bill or food. Eventually, things with my dad and his girlfriend didn't work out. He tried to move back in with my mom with the offer to care for my grandma, brackets, who lived with my mom. Of course, my mom said no. He found a place of his own, started to reach out to my sisters and I. My sisters ignored him. I gave him another chance, and we wound up having a really good relationship. He began dating a nice woman, and my mom began dating a train wreck. He was abusive, manipulative, and just plain awful. My relationship with her deteriorated the more my relationship with my dad improved. 
She saw it as a betrayal. Two months before my wedding, I called my mom to let her know when the date was, brackets figured out last minute as my husband was deployed at the time, so making definitive dates for anything is hard. She ignored me for two days. I left her a voicemail saying I was hurt by that, and she called me back and went on a rant about how she and her boyfriend were on a date, brackets for two days, and I was ungrateful and she wouldn't stand for my abuse anymore. She wouldn't come to my wedding to go fuck myself and then hung up. My dad took me wedding dress shopping a few days later. He bought my gown and then we went to a movie for Father's Day and he promised he'd try his best to walk me down the aisle. Brackets, we lived in PA, but the wedding would be in AZ, where my husband is from. That was the last time I saw him. A week of no return phone calls, and I broke silence with my mom to ask her for his address. I'd only been there once or twice and couldn't remember how to get there. After a lot of bitter, angry rants on her part, she finally gave it to me. I sent the police to his house to do a wellness check, and they found him dead. He'd had a heart attack and had died two days prior. I called my mom and she wouldn't pick up. I texted her telling her that dad died and received no answer. I called my sisters but was only able to get a hold of one. She spoke to my mom and I asked her if she could call me back. My mom said, quote unquote, no. She wanted nothing to do with me. She did, however, call my younger sister. My youngest sister was having a substance abuse problem at the time and she told her, quote unquote, your dad died. He OD'd and died alone, just like you will. So, of course, my sister was a complete wreck. Also, my dad didn't do anything more than smoke pot occasionally, so I guess the, quote unquote, he OD'd thing was another scare tactic. The next next day after seeing his body in the morgue, my youngest sister tried to call my mom to get her tax information. Brackets, my mom threw her out of the house, but her belongings were still there. I don't know what my mom said to her, but my sister was nearly having a panic attack. I took the phone from her and tried to remain calm, but I told her that we simply needed the tax info and that we would be gone. She screamed at me that I was ugly, had no soul, and that if I set foot on her boyfriend's property, that she'd call the police. I told her to go ahead and call them. It might even be better that way. Then she dropped the bomb that my dad was dead because of me. That if I had called the police or checked on him sooner, that he'd still be alive. That I was disgusting and she didn't know how I could look at myself in the mirror. That I didn't deserve my husband to drop dead. I don't remember much of the days after that. We didn't speak for six months. Somehow my sister and mom repaired their relationship. At some point my mom reached out to me. I didn't want her in my life again, but after losing my dad, I was afraid of losing her too. She apologized and said she was grieving and didn't mean any of it. I took that with a grain of salt. Her boyfriend committed suicide 10 months ago. She's always going from one job to another, never holding down more than one for a few months at a time. Her health is terrible. She's obsessed with reconnecting with her biological family, even though they're all mentally unstable. She still mocks my deceased dead father. She'll admit to kicking me out, brackets, back then I quote-unquote moved out, but says she did me a favor because it made me an adult. She considers herself quote-unquote mother of the year, and if you say anything against that, she'll dredge up something you did years ago that hurt her feelings and turn herself into the victim. I have a son now, and live with my husband in AZ. She's still in PA. She met my son once, but I'll never leave him alone with her. I'll be visiting her again next month with him, but still won't leave him with her at any point. Our relationship is okay as long as we aren't around each other for too long. It'll never be what it was when I was little, and she was my best friend. I forgive her for what she said about my dad and everything else, but I can never forget. It amazes me that she can even look at her behavior and honestly see nothing wrong with it. That's a long one. And Kaoru writes... It's always so, so, so hard to tell. My mother, she enabled my drug use, substance abuse for years. There were all the times I stole her oxycodone prescription over and over and over again from when I was age 16 onwards. All the lorazepam I stole from her. We were talking hundreds and hundreds of pills over years. She ultimately gave me thousands and thousands of dollars to spend on drugs. And even though I was lying about what I was spending the money on and she was lying about what she was giving me the money for, we both knew. And eventually, there weren't even the lies. Sighing emoticon. And I hate her for that so, so much and love her for that so, so much. 
because a part of me needed those drugs and I didn't. I was coping with my problems the only way I could and my mother was coping with her problems the only way she could. I'm just glad we broke the cycle. And Tubba Blubba writes, <laughs> Tubba Blubba, and Tubba Blubba writes, I'll chalk up another one for the Crazy Fathers Club. My father is unpredictable at best. At one moment, he's your best friend, laughing and joking with you at the table. But if you say or do something he feels is quote-unquote wrong, then that is all over. I should say quote-unquote wrong for my dad boils down to not living one's life the way he would live it. I recently became a Buddhist, and my father is offended that I have quote-unquote abandoned my Catholic heritage. He has gone so far as to insult my reasoning skills and claim that this is quote-unquote just a phase. On the subject of reasoning and skills in general, nothing one does for this man is satisfactory. For example, I refuse to perform certain tasks because of my father's perfectionism. I will not mow the grass, for example, because I do not perform it to his satisfaction. It does not matter how long or meticulously I mow it, he will always berate me and redo the job himself. Usually, quote-unquote, refusing to perform involves doing these tasks when he is not home or distracted by something else, but lately, I'm so tired of all of it. I return to my university soon, and I almost wish I hadn't returned home. This berating is never just about one issue. Every single, quote-unquote, failing is thrown at me simultaneously. From my choices and sexual partners to my clothes, everything I have recently done that he disapproves of is tossed at me. I do know how to counter this. I must be aggressive in asking how he thinks I can remedy issues occurring in the past. This is usually enough to stop the behavior, but he usually stomps off into the garage muttering about, quote-unquote, being the bad guy all the time. On that note, he has a major persecution complex. If anyone engages his bullshit directly, then he is, quote-unquote, being attacked. It does not matter how awful he was being to others, he feels as though he has been treated unfairly and no one is listening to him. Never mind that he is notorious for not listening to others, and he seems to believe, quote-unquote, listening involves passively accepting his nonsense. I'm 20 years old. I don't have the patience to accept this garbage anymore. What is the worst about all of this is how few people outside my home believe me. One ex-girlfriend told me I was, quote-unquote, making it all up and that my father, quote-unquote, appears to be a nice guy. Of course he does. He is obsessed with appearances. Anything that reflects poorly on him in his mind must be corrected. We live in a small town and people talk in small towns, so some of it is understandable. But berating my brother for getting a tattoo yesterday, brackets after it had been on his skin for seven hours, is going too far. According to him, all of this, quote-unquote, reflects upon him. I should note that neither of us has gone to jail or done anything legally or morally wrong in our lives. How he figures we are reflecting poorly on him is a mystery. I realize this is a lot of words about a man who has never tried to harm me physically, but I'm tired of it all, and so is everyone else in my household. My mother has strongly considered leaving him after my brother and I leave university, and I don't blame her. And Evil Sagan writes, My father doesn't really dwell on reputation in a serious way, but otherwise, you've described my father better than I did, Tubba Blubba. That, quote-unquote, just a phase shit is the worst, especially as you get older. Maybe it will be different for you, but at 25, my dad is still determined to remind me I'll eventually outgrow carrots, things in my life that stand at odds with his own beliefs or desires. Close carrot. As if my capability to change my mind as I learn new things is a reason to deny me agency in my decisions and beliefs. I'm glad to see being forward with your father is working for you. My dad, despite claiming a desire for frank and honest discussion, takes even the hint of criticism as a function of a campaign to destroy him, and I find that not engaging him at all is preferable. Sometimes I'll get an email where he complains that he quote-unquote doesn't deserve to be treated like a Homer Simpson. God, I wish he were... God, I wish he were that oafish and lovable. Edit. Oh, and to add some genuine crazy to the mix, my father tried to exercise my brother when he found out my brother meditates. Still beats physical abuse, but damn. Exorcism, man. And Kilo India writes, and this is a long one, 
I like this thread. I've probably spoken more in e slash n about my crazy mom than I have in real life about my crazy mom, but I don't think I've ever told the entire story. My mom moved to the big city from a small farming community when she was 17 to attend college. She promptly dropped out of college and became a heroin addict and bar girl. Here, a bar girl is actually a sex worker. My mom eventually became pregnant with me through a fling with my father, who was a cocaine dealer at the time. My father ended up going to prison, and she ended up in a domestic living situation with my stepfather, who was a bar patron many years her senior. My stepfather was very good to me, but he was a cold and distant man, which meant I really had no actual guidance growing up. My mother wrapped her pride up in me at an early age, basking in compliments about how beautiful or intelligent I was, etc. The ordinary things people tell you about your child because it's not like they can go, quote unquote, oh my, that's a moderate child you have there. At the same time, she mostly treated me as a pet. At an early age, I started distrusting my mom. She was not young when she had me, about 28, and it's just like she never grew up. She would, quote unquote, play games when I was three slash four, telling me that she wasn't my mother. She'd leave me in graveyards and follow me just to watch me as a... <laughs> she would... <laughs> She'd leave me in graveyards and follow me just to watch me panic as it grew dark. She would ask me, quote unquote, why are you following me, little girl? Who are you? I'm not your mom. And she would literally keep this up for days going, quote unquote, can't you go home yet? Where is your home? Or, quote unquote, you can't stay here any longer until I would start crying. She would shoot up with heroin and chase me around with a needle, which gave me a lifetime fear of shots and so forth. Anyway, when I was four or five, my dad filed for custody as he had just gotten out of prison. My mom was such a wreck, he actually got custody. He was living with two crackheads at the time. My mom was happy about it at the time because she had a new boyfriend who was also a dealer. She told me I was going to be, quote unquote, making Easter eggs with a couple and then just left me with them. My dad... <laughs> My dad was in and out of the house, and then after like two months max, he ended up back in prison. But for some reason, CPS never removed me. This means I was in the custody of two literal crackheads. The man was so bad, he peeled all the skin off his hand and forearms because he believed he had worms. The crackheads offered my mom money to keep me, and she let them. They molested me and let other people do things to me that I don't even want to think about. They literally treated me like I was a cat. The woman had like 16 cats and they would feed me at the same time as them. The cats didn't have a litter box, they just went on the floor. The weird thing was the crackhead man's parents were really rich, so they had a $2 million home in the most expensive area here. It was completely unfurnished with cat urine and feces everywhere. They made me pick up after the cats. I never had meals, just a bag of chips thrown my way. I almost forgot to talk during this time. My mom suddenly appeared in my life when I was around six and took me back. At the time, I didn't even recognize her. I found out later she only took me back because her dealer boyfriend had broken up with her and because my stepfather wouldn't accept her back until she found out what happened to me. My life, was, my life was surreal at this point. I couldn't deal with people or really anything. I think I might have thought I was a cat. I know that sounds funny, but my brain was really broken in ways that made it impossible for me to deal with as a child. But at the same time, my mom didn't want to acknowledge this. She continued to treat me like an ordinary child, getting angry if I didn't do well at school, etc. She only took me to school maybe once in three days, telling them that I was a problem child who would throw tantrums to avoid class. In fact, she couldn't wake up to get me to school so she didn't take me. I fell behind and couldn't make friends. My mom would consistently make fun of me if I did get friends. If I had a male friend, she'd say something like, quote unquote, what are you doing with that fat guy? She would consistently read sexual things into it, even though I was only like seven to 10 years old, which made me extremely uncomfortable about sex. I felt ashamed even if I had thought about romantic things and never ended up having school crushes or school boyfriends. From when I was seven to nine, she would give me sexual content to read like the clan of the cave bear. But when she would tell me things like, quote unquote, you seem to be reading that a lot, 
lot or quote unquote, what parts are you reading more? I bet I know, etc. My mom would sexualize me to a weird extent, like putting me in modeling classes, encouraging me to quote unquote dress less wholesome. But at the same time, she would shame me. I remember telling her once I was having problems at work when I was 16 because this 40 year old guy kept coming on to me. She told me, quote unquote, well, you're dressed like you want it. I was wearing clothes she bought for me. From when I was 14 on, my mom made me drop out of school to work so that I could make money to pay for her habit. Well, that's not entirely true. I also dropped out of school because my quote-unquote diagnosed social anxiety disorder made it impossible to deal with anyone. But she never believed that I had a disorder and would instead regularly accuse me of quote-unquote being on drugs, even though she never let me leave my home. From when I was 13 to 14, I was literally kept in a room with no human interaction besides a computer. She called this quote-unquote homeschooling and it messed me up for life. Oh, I also lived alone for half a year when I was 12 because she went to prison for revocation of parole and didn't tell anyone I was there. Oddly, my school attendance went up that year. Anyway, when I hit 17, things reached a breaking point. At this time, she had completely run out of money. My stepfather cut her off when I was 14, but my dad got out of prison then. But then my dad got sent back to prison when I was 17, and my mom started relying on me as the quote-unquote man in her life, even though I was her daughter. My mom could never do anything for herself. If her car broke down, she'd call her man. If she needed groceries, she called her man. If she needed the house clean, she called her man. I became this person. My mom would not eat food unless I cooked it, plated it and put it directly in front of her. Anyway, after she ended up destitute, she took my entire paycheck every time and spent it on drugs. Our rent went unpaid. We went without food. She would wake me up at 4 a.m. before I had to go to work screaming that I didn't love her, that I was hiding money from her, that I obviously just wanted her to fucking die because she was going to fucking die right now. She'd die without the drugs. Where's the money? I ended up in this poverty cycle because she would accrue so many NSF charges on my account that once my paycheck hit, it would be nothing. At the same time, she did ridiculous things like run up a $2,000 cell phone charge on my phone. My stepfather had a $30,000 college fund for me, which she cashed out and blew on heroin. My mom said that my stepfather quote-unquote cut us off, brackets not true, my mom chose my dad, and that she had to do this. I later found out that my stepfather had given her further $45,000 that year because she told him I needed it. My mother never had a regular job and she refused to do so. She got her license taken away because she got a single ticket she didn't want to pay, which led to her not being able to renew her license, which led to 15 moving violations, which led to her getting a bench warrant. She still doesn't have a license 10 years later. She can't get a photo ID because of the bench warrant, which has led to her not being able to do anything, travel, get a job, anything. Once I moved out, my mom convinced our landlord that she had a heart defect that made it so she couldn't work. She told the landlord, this really nice Christian woman, that I had abandoned her because I didn't want to be with a quote-unquote defective mom, and she had no way of surviving. Since then, seven years ago, this landlord has let her stay rent-free on their property. My mom still doesn't have a job and has no interest in getting a job. I used to send my mom money every once in a while, but E slash N got me to cut that shit out. I talk to her every once in a while, and things are fine. She says clever things, and she's funny, and she's smart and she's the mother I wish she could be but then I start talking to her more in detail and I get this haunting feeling she's actually some sort of alien in disguise I used to have nightmares of her peeling back her skin and revealing snake skin underneath that's how bad it was my mom left me at least $30,000 in debt by the time I severed ties with her for the first time completely that was when I was 21 it was a lovely way to start adulthood I really don't understand her but I realize that I don't have to I'm too good of a person to understand her. I tolerate her, but I acknowledge that it all that all it does is bring me more frustration. 
frustration and pain. She complains of how her landlord is always around and I ask her why she hasn't gotten a job yet instead of living off her landlord and she just hems and haws. She still writes to my stepfather asking for her money sometimes. I stopped seeing her on birthdays because she would just drive me crazy. Birthdays or New Year's at first, it would start pleasant then she'd start going on about how, quote unquote, you know if I just stayed with your stepfather, you would have been able to go on to be a doctor like you dreamed of. Quote unquote, by the time I was your age, I owned my own bar. Quote unquote, you know you could have been so successful if I had just taken you to school more often. She'd launch into a pity party where she wants me to tell her she wasn't a bad guy. If I even go so far as to agree with her and be like, yeah, you were a shitty mom, she would turn it on me with, quote unquote, but you were such a weird child. You didn't have friends and so forth. I think ultimately it's just not worth it. Waste of space. If you can't be a good person to the child you brought into the world, then you're just not a good person. Phew, that was long, but it felt good. Edit. Oh, and my dad was an enforcer for a gang while dealing cocaine. He killed something like 12 to 15 people. I thought my mom was making shit up before I started meeting people that verified her claims. And sometimes when I go to bars, people actually recognize me as his daughter and tell me my dad was some kind of crazy mafia gangster kingpin. I'm serious. That's a whole other story. But honestly, my dad really never did wrong by me except for not being around and for leaving me with a crazy crackhead couple that he thought were his friends. The male crackhead later died of AIDS. Thank fucking God I didn't get HIV. And the female crackhead ended up homeless. So karma. And Kilo India continues later in this page. My story isn't even the worst story I know, but I'm the person who got out. I'm the luckiest person in the fucking world. My cousin's parents were like mine. They made her get a job at a bar, brackets, read prostitution when she was just 14 to support their heroin habit she ended up having her first baby at 15 she's now a few years older than me and has five or six children she doesn't know where any of them are she still works at the bar because it's the only job she knows she regularly passes out and ends up getting taken advantage of by whatever guy wants to take her home that night she says she likes her life and doesn't want to change i've tried She scammed me for money the last time I saw her by running up a $600 bar tab on my account, saying that all the drinks she was drinking with me were quote-unquote ladies' drinks. Brackets, bar girls get $20 a drink when they're working and $40 a shot. One little girl I grew up with, she lived in my house for a long time. I lost track of her when she was 12 and I was 14. Her mom sold her to some man for 20 pounds of Costco meat and a television. The guy was like 30 and she was 12. My mom made a half-hearted attempt to look for her, but didn't go any farther. Her mom was homeless and never prosecuted by the police or anything. I finally heard about what happened to her from my dad this year. She's still with the guy she was sold to and has two kids. Another girl I grew up with was repeatedly raped by her father, who was also abused by a man. Another girl I grew up with was repeatedly raped by her father, who also abused her mom. Her mom turned into this extremely aggressive lesbian later on, who also molested her and tried to molest me, too. I don't know where she ended up. My mom saw her a few years ago, but didn't even think to ask how she was doing. This shit happens all the time. I think this is just something that people don't talk about, but need to talk about more. And Chainsaw McGee adds... My mom wanted us to be more social for the benefit of her own social life. Everyone in the neighborhood hung out at her house when she was growing up, brackets, because her mother was the proto-cool mom who'd rather have teenagers doing drugs and having sex in her house rather than somewhere else. Uh, So she thought all of our friends should be hanging out at our house, except Oprah exists now to let her know what the kids are getting up to with their vodka tampons and whatnot. So she wants to socialize with us so she can keep an eye on things, not just check in on things, but be the center of attention. Most of my friends in high school were low-key theater geeks whose idea of a good time was watching The Princess Bride, but but they were still creeped out enough by my mom trying to play Twister with us that people usually didn't come over more than once. Brackets. My brothers mostly escaped this because she had 
little to no interest in watching people play video games, but they mostly still hung out at other people's houses where nobody had to put up with, look at me, mom. Brackets, admittedly, my mom's parents were kind of defective and had horrible childhoods, but I don't know enough family history to talk about my mom's crazy parents. They've cleaned up their acts since they became grandparents. And Picnic Princess writes, I'm glad to see I'm not the only one who questioned my gender identity growing up because of my home life. For me, it was my dad and how he treated my mom. He beat her and berated her constantly in front of both my little sister and I for the entirety of their marriage. He didn't hit us, but he didn't really, but he, but he didn't really treat us good either. That part of the cycle ended when I was eight, and my mom finally left him after he tried to stab her to death one night. After that, we saw him maybe once a year, even though we lived less than an hour away, because he was quote-unquote too broke or quote-unquote too busy to have us over. In reality, he was just on constant drug binges. When I reached puberty, I completely fell apart. I didn't want to be a woman because I thought my parents' relationship was what the norm was. I figured I would be destined to a life of abuse, assault, and misery. I fell into an extremely deep depression going from straight-A student on the honor roll to barely passing. I stopped taking care of myself, wore baggy black clothes to hide my changing form. When I did finally have a shower or bath, I would face away from the mirror to avoid looking at my body or have a bubble bath so I couldn't see myself. I don't think I ever wanted to be an actual boy, but I sure as hell hated myself for being a girl. I was also terrified of talking to boys. I had virtually no I had virtually zero friendships or acquaintances with boys growing up and whenever I was forced to talk to one, I would absolutely panic. This was the fear instilled in me by my dad's actions. Compound all of this shit with the fact that my uncle abused me when I was 4 to 6 years old. I was a seriously messed up kid and I'm amazed I managed to get through it. I'm now in a great relationship with a guy and no longer actively hate myself or fear men, but I have to admit I'm not put together all that well. I'm plagued with chronic depression and anxiety disorders. My meds help, but they're not perfect, and I have attacks here and there for no reason. I also have a very addictive personality, just like my parents. Brackets. My mom spent her 20s and 30s drinking her pain away, but at least she was a fun drunk. I obsessively attach myself to things I find pleasure in, probably from being so miserable all the time. Food and alcohol are the worst. If I like a particular food, I eat it every day for weeks or months and get really anxious if I don't get to have it. I go on drinking binges sometimes, too. I cut my dad out of my life in 1998 when I asked him if he wanted to go to the mall to hang out, and he told me he had bills to pay, so he couldn't. I wasn't asking him to buy me anything, just hang out. He didn't offer an alternative. He just wasn't going to see me. I was so sick of trying, I gave up. My life was almost instantly turned around. Severing was the best decision I've ever made. It would have been nice to not be permanently broken, but I'm doing well enough now. And Pillow Pants asks, How did you sever? I'm trying to figure out whether it's better to just cut communication off or send a letter. And Picnic Princess replies, Initially, I just stopped calling. It was great for years. He moved away to a different province. All was well until he discovered social networking. I ended up getting really drunk at my friend's one night and wrote him an enormous email telling him everything that happened to me and that I wanted him to leave me alone forever. He responded with how he was changed and none of it was his fault anyway, so I shouldn't be mad and start treating him like family. I blocked him. Fast forward a couple of years and he finds Facebook. He tries to add me, my sister, and my freaking mother. I declined, as did my mom, but I didn't know my sister added him to keep track of him. I make a joke about him one day in one of her posts and he completely lost his shit. He sent me a ton of psychotic, guilt-tripping, semi-threatening messages that showed me he was still the same monster he was before. I refused to respond. I just blocked him. I found out two years ago that Ha was moving back to my city to try and patch things up. I freaked out, always keeping an eye out for him in public. I hated that he made 
made me feel afraid of him and afraid of being in public. I ended up deleting a bunch of my family on Facebook. Brackets, I wasn't close to them or ever talked to them, so he couldn't find out from someone where I was working or going to school. I changed my name on Facebook to a stupid phony last name so they couldn't find me again. I saw him at the Walmart in the same mall I worked in one day last fall. I freaked out. I ran back to my store and hid in the bathroom for 10 minutes trying to calm down. Total panic attack. Fortunately, he didn't see me. I know I could never have a relationship with him. When I was faced with the death of my grandmother, a bunch of people, including my mom, thought I should try and patch things up. I knew I couldn't. I told her about the Facebook messages he sent, and then she finally understood. She backs my decision 110% now. I have a fake Facebook as well, so I can check up on him. I hadn't done that in over a year, and this thread inspired me to check. He lost his apartment in the big Calgary flood this year, and now he's moving back to Ontario. Yes, this is the best goddamn news. No more living in fear. Party time! And Maricat Blackwood writes, It's probably because of sexual abuse from my mother's boyfriend and then in foster care that I've never had an orgasm with another person. But I can fake it really well because otherwise sex turns from a sort of pleasant time for me to make my husband happy into a chore that can last for hours because quote-unquote real men can make a woman satisfied. Not with this husband, but in the past. This one doesn't know any of it. It's better that way. I don't know if I feel better or worse for having actually said that, brackets typed it, whatever, to another person. I'm 50 years old and it's too late for me to do anything about it. But if I were younger, I might try to get it fixed. Thanks for having this thread so I could say this. And Kaoru replies, Hey, I just wanted to say that at age 28, I have the same problem, never having had an orgasm with another person. If you were my age, would you fix it? Well, I am really trying. Maybe it's a bit different for me because I'm a guy, meaning I could never fake it and it's always been fairly obvious, though I guess we could both get away with just getting our respective partner off via oral or something, whatever. But just look at my thought process here. But just look at my thought process here. It goes straight to figuring a way to not address and not to fix and to shove it away and try to work around it, which is what I've won with my problems, brackets, especially ones associated with interpersonal relationships, my whole life. But you know, 50 isn't too late to fix it, is it? It's never too late. That's what I hope anyway. I thought I'd be dead by 27 my entire life. I was sure of it. I still can't believe I'm 28 and alive. And for the first time ever, I've been getting treatment. I can envision a real future for myself instead of seeing a a yawning black abyss waiting to swallow me whole when I tried to envision my 30s, 40s, 50s, etc. That amazes me. And Kilo India adds, I have the same problem. I have the same problem. It's been an issue with both of my long-term relationships to the extent where I've resigned myself to just hiding it for the rest of my life. Men really do not believe that women can't orgasm sometimes. My boyfriend would always fall back on, quote-unquote, every other woman I've ever been with came every time and then became entirely afraid to touch me at all because he believed it was a, quote-unquote, ordeal for me since I couldn't finish. And what was the point if I couldn't finish? I wish men got some sort of primer on female sexuality during sex so they'd stop thinking so many dumb things. And Try Hard Pill adds, Hey, just wanted to thank you people for this thread. Both of my parents fit the narcissistic description to the letter, and so I never could really ask them for help or guidance. I spent the majority of my life, brackets ever since I was 10, I think, so that's 12 years now, depressed, thinking that every bad thing that happened in my life was my own fault, including classmates making fun of me for being sickly pale, brackets I was always called a quote-unquote ghost, and hitting me, brackets I was extremely skinny and weaker than even the girls in my class, easy target. I spent the vast majority of my childhood and teen years by my 
myself, barely talking to anyone. I had a few friends here and there, brackets, like one every other year, but I could never open up to them. I would end up just listening, asking questions about their lives, and barely talking about the things I did or liked, as I always felt too ashamed to share anything. These things didn't affect my grades too much, brackets, I was always one of the best students in class, and they went unnoticed, brackets, or ignored by my parents. I tried therapy, but I always dismissed it too soon, and I was always afraid that my parents would find out. I went to a psychologist, brackets, those are the kind of people who think seeking mental help is for those who are either completely out of their minds or lazy good-for-nothings, and insult me slash throw me out of the house. I was seriously considering suicide this year. I started throwing everything I owned away, brackets, which amounted to actually nothing besides some old school assignments and documentation from previous jobs. Bought some quote-unquote parting gifts for the few people I knew and saved up some cash. The plan was to catch a bus to somewhere far away and jump off a bridge or something. Stupid, I know. I would probably back off at the last minute. But reading this and knowing that the sadness I feel probably stems from a lack of emotional support, brackets, frankly, this very forum has been my only guidance in life for a long while, and not necessarily because I'm the worst person on earth, made me look back. I'm slowly recovering my documentation, slapping forehead emoticon. I'm moving out of my parents' house next week and I got a crappy minimum wage job that will get me by until I get better and can find something with better pay. Smiling Smith emoticon. Having some friends will take a while, though. Also, I can't seem to remember most of my childhood and early teens, except the bad stuff. Is this just how it goes for everyone? I know there's people who had to endure way worse than the ones I went through. You guys are an inspiration. Holy shit. Well, fuck. How's that for a depressing fucking episode? <laughs> this episode took me a really long time to edit. For a lot of reasons. One of them was that it was very depressing. Yeah, so I doubt you liked it. It's a little on the long side, and a lot of slow, awful stories about terrible parents. If my sons ever write anything like this about me, of course, they're lying, because I provide them a life of rainbows and sunshine. Anyway, anyway, I hope you enjoyed it, even though it was super depressing and long and weird, but what can I say? If I read anybody's posts that they didn't want to have read, I apologize. Several people in this thread have removed information about their parents, I guess. What about your parents? Were they this crazy? Are they still this crazy? That one story about the girl being sold, uh, being raised by the heroin addict whose dad was a drug dealer and mafia enforcer is so bizarre. And later in the thread, she goes on to say that this all happened in the U.S. And it's like, it's just very crazy. This is a long one, so I'm going to wrap it up. I hope you enjoyed it. The next episode will come up much sooner than the one-month time-lapse that this one took. Anyway, my name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet for You, Tales of Terrible Parents Edition. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>